about every Sunday night, but tonight we are, and we did last Wednesday, from Dr. Leroy Thompson Sr.'s book, How to Find Your Wealthy Place. And you might wonder, well, why am I teaching from a book? Simply this. If I had got up and announced, this is a great book, this helped me so much, I want everybody in here to read it. Probably less than 10% would have. And not because, I just know that a lot, you know some of you are pressed for time to read. So if I really want you to know something, then I, then I just have to put it in you. And I really want you to know this, so I'm going to teach you directly from this book. And if you want to read it too, you can order one out of the bookstore. And we'll get one for you. But if not, if, if you say, no, I'm just going to get it this other way, well, then get it. Amen. Hallelujah. Grab hold of it and get it. Hallelujah. So if you want to know why I'm teaching from it, it's because I felt like it was so worthy, I really wanted you to have it. I didn't want to take the chance that... 90% wouldn't, or if, even if 50% had, I didn't want to take the chance that only 50% would have. Even didn't even want to take the chance that only 75% would have. So I thought if I want 100% to do it, the only way to get 100% is just to get it and just go right through it. Amen? Hallelujah. But now I'm not giving you every line in it, and there's things you could get out of it that I'm not going to give you, that God would speak to you personally, so it'd still be a good thing. But... You know, I am getting you the high points. And plus, I'm throwing in a lot of other stuff that the Holy Ghost gives me. Like, he'll give me a thought. I'll get a thought out of the book, and then I'll run with the thought, okay? I mean, that's, how, that's a good way to do that. So let's pray, and we'll get started. Now, Father, we're praying and believing for the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened. Father God, we really want to know what the riches of the glory of all the inheritance you have for us in the saints is. And Father, we really want to know the very details of your plan for our life. Father, we really want to have our minds washed by the water of the word. We really want, Father God, a renewed mind, a totally renewed mind. And Father, we're believing that our faith tonight will be activated by the word of God. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Father, thank you that we do have ears to hear and we do have eyes that see. Father, we are not blinded because we've been taken out of the world of darkness and we've been putting the presence of God into the kingdom of light and life. And Father, thank you that every person in here is prospering in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, I will read to you where we read from Wednesday night just to refresh you, just a couple of paragraphs from the preface of Dr. Leroy's book. He said, The Lord told me, Leroy, I've given you a voice for money, and I have given my people ears to hear. Hallelujah. We have ears to hear, don't we? I have anointed you to get the truth across to my people. They are going to get it this time. Hallelujah. We are getting it this time. Like never before. Keep the vision clear. Keep the revelation clear. Do not compromise. I think you, I, I, you would agree and know that Brother Leroy has had many opportunities to compromise. Amen. I mean, you know, there is a temptation to compromise when men criticize you. Amen. Hallelujah. Do not apologize. This time I will not be denied. And then uh, further in the preface he says, There is a place you can go where you do not have to even think about money. Because you have so much of it, and every believer, not just a select few, can go there. Every believer can go there. Hallelujah. To that wealthy place where you don't have to think about money. You spend a lot of your time now thinking about money. Planning, budgeting, all those kind of things. Hallelujah. You know, making sure you come out to the end of the month. You know what I mean. So there's, there is a place, though, where you don't have to think about money and God's not just picking out a few people and saying, well, now I choose this one and I choose that one and I choose that one and this one looks good and no, no, I, I have a different will for you. No, my Bible says God is no respecter of persons. And I believe my Bible. And he's no respecter of persons where healing is concerned. He's no respecter of persons where prosperity is concerned. However, he has gifted all of us different, so how we prosper will be different for every person. It is our responsibility to find the will of God for our lives. I want to tell you something God spoke to me many, many years ago, and you can apply it to a lot of things. I don't even remember what he spoke it to me in conjunction with, but I have remembered what he said. And one of the things he said to me is, I don't answer questions, Debbie, that you don't ask. 
Now, why God's like that, I don't know. But a lot of us walk around not asking enough questions of God. God does not withhold the answers to things concerning our life. Now, you can ask things that are not any of your business, and God may not tell you the answer. There are things that God will not tell you concerning me. You might say, well, you know, I want to know, Father, how much my boss makes. Well, if it's not in your business, God won't tell you. Amen? So there's questions you could ask him that God would not tell you, but there's nothing concerning your life that you could ask him that he would not tell you. But there are many things. God will, God will sit there with information that you need, and if you do not inquire of him concerning that information, you will literally go without. Like I said, I don't understand that. I know God spoke that to me. And even experientially, because it's been many, many years ago that God spoke that to me, experientially I have found that to be true. God is a gentleman. The Holy Ghost is a gentleman. And he does not intrude into areas of our life that we do not invite him in. And he does not give us uh, information many times. He does not give us information unless we inquire about it. Hallelujah. So we need to ask some questions. You need to ask some questions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so, so do that. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, we talked last Wednesday about business. We started off talking about business. And uh, because um, the, there is a place of wealth for all of us, but we all came to the conclusion, and I'm sure you had already come to the conclusion, that for us to come into a wealthy place, that um, there was going to have to be some obedience to the leading of the Holy Ghost, that 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 they're that just doing what you're doing where you're at today is not going to get you to a wealthy place. In other words, Walmart's just not going to come up one day and say, you know, we have decided to pay fifty dollars an hour. But even, and even if they did, to, to, you know, and I know that would be great. Everybody would like to make fifty. You'd probably say, I'd love to make fifty dollars an hour, and I'm sure you would. But still, in the truth is, that wouldn't even be wealth. I mean, not really. I'm sure it'd help. I'm not saying it wouldn't help you a bunch, but, you know, and that's a step. Hey, if you get a raise to $50 an hour, that's a step into the right direction, isn't it? It sure is. So we're not despising small beginnings, and we're we're certainly thankful when God gives us raises, even if we just go from $5 to $10 an hour. We're very thankful for those things that God gives us. But that's still, we got to be reality that that's not wealth. And that's not, that's not uh, the kind of wealth God wants to flow through you in order to do what we're going to talk about later, kingdom business. That might would pay your bills, but still, that wouldn't make you a, a paymaster in the kingdom of God. That's not going to finance a lot of gospel, is it? Hallelujah. So there's going to be a divine plan somewhere, and we've got to tap into the divine plan. I can't tap into it for you. You know, I've got a, it's just, you know, I, it's a full-time job for me just to tap into my own. Amen. You know what I mean? So you've got to tap in to your wealthy place, but you're going to have to talk to God about it. You're going to have to talk to God. If you're convinced by the preaching of the Word, and if you've been here in this church any time at all, you're already convinced that God wants to prosper you, then you need to begin to talk to God about it. And He'll talk back to you. Amen? And he's going to give you direction. Especially you need to talk to him if you're already doing the basics that the Word says. Sometimes when God won't talk to us about something, it's because he, he, he's already written, he, we're not doing something he's already written in the Word, and he's just not going to talk until we're doing what's in the Word. Amen? So we need to do what we know to do from the Word of God, and then we need to begin to inquire about, to God about our wealthy place. Hallelujah. And then listen to Him, and then step out and obey Him. And we talked about taking those steps of faith. The, and going back to God's not a respecter of persons, one of the things God spoke to Brother Hagin many years ago is He said to him, If you will listen to me, I will make you wealthy. 
And at these last meetings, these faith crusades in Birmingham, Brother Hagen one morning shared uh, about his personal wealth and how God had done exactly what he told him to do. Well, now I can go back to the fact that God's no respecter of persons. And if God would say to Brother Hagin, if you'll listen to me, I'll make you wealthy, then God cannot do for him what he would not, and not do it for me. So I can say, God, I will listen to you. So, Father, I'm asking you to make me wealthy. Hallelujah. And if you will listen, he will. So God is no respecter of persons. Some of the steps we talked about will not be difficult. But, you know, as I was typing this into the computer and meditating on this about, you know, usually you've already taken all the steps that aren't difficult. You've taken those, family. Some people think just, you know, one of the steps that pe that's not difficult is just starting to come to church all the time. I, if you think that's a difficult step, you'll never make it through the others. That's the easy one. That's the easy one. To me, it is not a problem. I love to hear the Word of God. It is not a problem to come hear the Word of God and to get the fellowship of the saints. I love the fellowship of the saints. And so if that's a problem, that's the easy steps. You say, well, tithing's hard. No, tithing's one of the easy steps. It's never... We, and you know, we've been through some very tight spaces. We've been some places where you just weren't getting paid. And it's never been a problem to tithe. Just never, it's not a problem. It is not a problem to tithe. Especially when you finally realize you can't make it on your own. If God's not involved in this, we're going under anyway. You know? And so it just becomes no problem to tithe. That's one of the easy steps. Even giving offerings over and beyond. And offerings uh, is where you sow your seed. Tithing is where you open your windows of heaven, where you get your devourer rebuked. But seed, the seeds you sow above your offering, I mean the offerings you give above your tithe, that is your seed in the ground. And that is not one of the easy steps. That is not hard. That is not difficult at all. This is, this is basic Christianity stuff, amen? That's one of the easy steps. And so you, you've already taken those steps. Some of the steps we talked about last week will require doing things the flesh doesn't want to do. You know, the flesh will holler about some things. Amen? Some of the things God will tell you to do will be preparation steps. You know, if you've ever had that thought, why am I having to do this, Lord? Then you know that it's a preparation step. Why am I having to do this? Why am I having to do this? Well, if you ever felt like, why am I having to do this? Well, that was one of those preparation steps. But some of the steps, well, this is the one, and this is where we're at now. These are the faith steps, these last things that God will say. They will feel like stepping out into thin air. We watched something on TV yesterday afternoon. I don't know, we were just kind of flipping around about five or six o'clock and we saw something on one channel about the wealthy and it was so I like to watch things about the wealthy just to see how they think amen and so uh, I was watching this and one of the things they said about the wealthy was that um, they said let me see I have it here and so I'll read it uh, it says all wealthy people take risks they said that all people that have gotten wealthy have taken risks and, you know, when God leads us to do something to the world, a lot of times it will look like a risk. Sometimes your mom and daddy will tell you, ooh, that's risky, you know. But, um, and to our flesh it'll feel like a risk. And to our emotions it's going to feel like a risk. But to our hearts, we know. See, I know my father. I know my father. I know him. I know Psalm 23. I know he's the good shepherd. And the Bible says in Psalm 23 that he leads me beside the still waters. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And so it may look like a tremendous risk, but if I have come to the conclusion that I know that God is leading me, then there's really no risk. Amen? 
Because God will not lead me ever to a bad place. Now he will lead you to places that strain the flesh and the emotions. He will lead you to take steps that are like steps of faith. And you go, oh my, we are literally walking. He leads people to walk on water. Or to walk on the word. To step out on his word where there's no other security but the fact that you do know God said. Amen? But when you know God said, it's not, it is not a risk. I mean, we have, we have moved many, many times on God said. We've moved, changed towns three times just on a God said. Amen? No guarantees, no, just knowing God said, knowing this is going to be okay by God, because God said. And so what you've got to do is when the, because when you launch out into anything in God, whether it be a ministry or it be a business or anything, when you launch out, you know, it's just rare that all the circumstances line up. But you've got to be so rooted and grounded that you know your Father sent you there, that you weather the storm. Amen? And that you comfort yourself in the fact of this is going to work out. God said. And I was in, in church this morning, right at the first of the service. You know, because a lot, there's, th there's circumstances in my own life that are not lining up to what I've believed and what I know. And, and you know what, family? You will always be there in some dimension or another where you're having to walk a faith walk. Amen? Amen? And so this morning, I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, sitting right there on the front row, He said, Debbie, be a tree. You know, when circumstances don't look right, just be a tree. The Bible says, be a tree planted by the rivers of living water whose leaf does not wither. And so I don't care if it's drought. I don't care if the heat's scorching. I'm a tree. I just am planted. I'm determined. I'm not giving in. I'm not caving in. I'm a tree. Hallelujah. Praise God. So if your circumstances aren't right and the wind's blowing, but you know you're doing the will of God, you know you don't have sin in your life, you know you're tither, you know you've planted seed in the ground, you know, and you're, you're, you know you're in there, then just be a tree. Quit worrying about it. You know, because my mind this morning was doing this little, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do thing? And see, that's the temptation when, when the wind starts blowing and your circumstances are right, aren't right. You're going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You look at your checkbook and that's what comes to your mind is what are we going to do? Well, we is pitiful. I don't have any power in myself. I can't change my own circumstances, but I can be a tree. And God said, be a tree, Debbie. Be a tree planted by rivers of living water. Amen. Just be a tree. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just stay in faith and stay planted. Hallelujah. Just be a tree. Thank you, Jesus. When your circumstances line up, you're a tree. When your circumstances don't line up, you're a tree. When things feel good, you're a tree. When things feel not so good, you're a tree. When the doctor says bad things to you, you're a tree. When he says good things to you, you're still a tree. It don't matter. See, you get on a roller coaster if you start going by what the doctor says. You'll get on a roller coaster if you go by, you know, what it looks like in finances or anything. If you go, if you're in business and, and you go by how many customers walked in the store that day, you'll ride a roller coaster. Amen. Just be a tree. Hallelujah. Are you a tree? Can you do that? Can you just be a tree? Hallelujah. Boy, I was glad God reminded me today to be a tree. Hallelujah. If you, you know, even in child training, child, raising children, sometimes you just got to be a tree. Amen. Sometimes, you know, the Bible says not to spare the rod. It says to, 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 to beat the child if you love them. I mean, literally. I mean, it does say the word beat. Now, we don't like that because of our day and our culture, but 
you know, we're to paddle our children. But you know, I have seen it when before when you was paddling them and they still weren't lining up. I mean, I have seen it when you just, and I have even counseled with people in our church and I knew they were doing the work and they were paddling their children. You know, sometimes when it comes to child training, you just got to be a tree. Be a tree. Just be a tree. And sometimes the honoriest little kids will turn out good. Hallelujah. Because you were a tree. Hallelujah. And if you're not a tree, the kids that are the sweetest little things can turn out rotten. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, that just so it just applies to everything is my point. Amen. Amen. Just to be a tree. Okay. So we've come to the conclusion because we trust our Father that He will not lead us off into a place that is ultimately bad for us, but He does lead us to places that are take faith, and so uh, they are uncomfortable to the flesh. Faith is basically uncomfortable to the flesh. Now, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And you get where, oh, this doesn't bother me anymore because we've been there a hundred times before. Hallelujah. See, you know, Pastor and I, we've been so many times where we had to believe God financially that we don't even get upset about it anymore. We've been so many times. We know, we know because we know it from the Word, but we also know it experientially that God will supply our need. We know that the righteous have never been forsaken nor his seed begging bread. We know it. Hallelujah. So see, your, you, your, faith, your flesh can't get used to the walk of faith. But that doesn't even mean that even sometimes now it's like, this place is not comfortable for me. And so don't worry about your flesh being uncomfortable. Turn to Psalm 66, verse 12. Now basically that's what happens to most of the ideas that God gives us. The Holy Ghost gives us opportunities for, uh, for expansion financially through witty ideas or through business ideas, but we do not carry through on them because we get into a state of panic. We're not used to stepping out in that place of faith, and, and when we realize this is going to require something that we're not used to giving, sometimes it's going to require, it may require, we may be not used to giving the hours it's going to require. Sometimes we're not used to giving the finances we're going to require. It's going to require. And so a lot of times we talk ourselves out of those places that would really prosper us and we lean back on the arm of the flesh and we take the $5 an hour at Walmart but just because we know we can count on it. Even though we know that, that, will nev- that, 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 that that's not supplying our need at the present, that we even might be going further and further into the hole, so to speak, even though we know, but it's like it's secure, and so even if it's bad, uh, we, we sometimes try to lean on that arm of the flesh. Hallelujah. God, all the while, because you're a tither, giving you opportunities to step into places. But some, see, our own unworthiness, our own insecurities about, about our ability to do a job, well, you know, that's different. I've never done that before. And, the, and many times we'll step back into a secure place that is not secure at all, really, but it seems secure because it's familiar. It's more familiar than it is secure. We'll step back into those places and not step out into the place that where our real uh, blessing is. Hallelujah. Do y'all see that? So God's going to be speaking to you some things. If you're serious about getting in your wealthy place, I'm trying to help you get there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know the things that God speaks to Pastor and I are not comfortable. Hallelujah. Okay. Psalm 66, verse 12. It says, Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy, wealthy place. You know, one of the quickest ways to, get, quit, to stop men from riding, on, riding over your head is to be wealthy. 
When you're wealthy, the banker quits riding over your head. The credit card companies, they quit riding over your head. When you're wealthy, men quit riding over your head. Hallelujah. Actually, they start bowing and scraping, if you want to know the truth. They start inviting you to, to, to their dinners and all those kind of things because they, they've quit riding over your head and now they're, they're courting you is what they're doing. They'll start courting you. Well, you know, when you get to that place, I already know how to deal with all that stuff too. You know, some people are afraid of prosperity because they're afraid people will take advantage of them. Well, I got news for you. They are going to try. You know, some people are afraid of wealth because they think that people will, uh, you know, even their relatives will bum off of them and and try to take advantage of them. You know, especially the the personality type that I am, you know what the greatest fear of the personality type that I am? Every personality type, four of them, has a greatest fear. The greatest fear of my personality type is the fear of being taken advantage of. And, and you know what? If, if, you, if my button ever gets pushed, it's when I think somebody's taking advantage of me. Even when my husband pushes my button, you know what it's always about? If I go down to the root of it, bottom line, why am I so upset? Why am I so mad? Why? Because I'm being afraid that he's taking advantage of me. Well, it's the truth. And you know what his personality type is? You know what his greatest fear is? The fear of his work being criticized. Now, I'm not saying that we hadn't conquered these somewhat because one of the ways to conquer them is to recognize it and know it. But if I want to push his button, just start criticizing his work. See, now that doesn't mess me up too bad because it doesn't matter to me. You know, but don't take advantage of me. (laughs) And you have one too. You have something that pushes your button more often than others. You know what I mean? Now, one personality type, I'll just better tell you all of them so you can pinpoint yourself. One personality type, it's the fear of rejection. Cannot stand the thought of anybody not liking them. Now, see, my personality type could care less. You don't like me? No. I mean, I want you to like me, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And then the other personality type is the fear of loss of security. And 75% of the world is that one. Fear of loss of security. So you can see where... uh, that would be a hard one to step out to the place of wealth. Why? Hold on to Walmart. $5 an hour. I don't know what Walmart pays. I don't have a clue. I'm just saying this. You know what I mean? They may pay 10 I don't know what they pay. But holding on to that security, fear of loss of security. So we, one, that's one of the things in getting wealthy we have to deal with. See, because if you're afraid people are going to take advantage of you, it's going to even be hard to be the right kind of businessman, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <clears throat> so where am I? <laughs> Lord, where am I? Okay, we're in Psalm 66, 12, talking about men not being able to ride over our heads because we're wealthy. Amen. And so he says there, but thou broughtest us out into... Look at those words. Notice, you ought to circle those two words. Out in two. He brought us us out in two. See, sometimes you not only got to come out, you got to go in two. And and, and you know, getting your mind renewed is coming out, but then there's that step of faith that's going in two. That's that step of faith, okay? Now, I'm not just talking about being in business. There's all sorts of ways to God to do this, but all of them involve faith and risk. Like, for instance, God could speak to you to invest in a certain stock. That's not going into business, but that is a place that way that God could bring you into a wealthy place. But I will tell you this, you know, a lot of... See, I don't even know enough about stock to ask questions. So that's probably not going to be the way God's going to bring me out into a wealthy place. But if you know something about it, great. Amen? And then there's all sorts of, there's inventions, there's, uh, there's, all, sorts of, uh, there's all sorts of ways for God to do this, and it's unique to all of us. You have to listen. Amen? 
Praise God. So, you know, see, we hear on TV about all these people that are getting rich on stocks. All the young wealth. You know what I'm talking about? They're day trading and all that, and they're getting real rich real fast. Real rich, real fast. And, uh, you know, so our temptation is to think, maybe I need to put some money into the stock market. Yeah, but... I don't even know who you call to do that. So, you know, I mean, really. So that must, at this point, at least, that's probably not the way God's leading me. If he is, then I do need to educate myself somewhat. Now, it's, unless God just wakes you up in the night and, and you hear a voice saying, uh, uh, Yahoo, 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 or something, you know, and you know you're supposed to buy Yahoo stock or something. You know, if God speaks something specific like that, I don't guess you really have to know anything. But if you're going to do something on a daily basis, you're going to have to know something, right? Okay? But, I mean, you can, there's ways, if God speaks to you, Yahoo, in the middle of the night tonight and says, invest, you can just call Charles Schwab or something. I don't care who you call. Call somebody and you can just say, I want to buy those and you can set it up. And you can buy it. And if God said, well, then just hang on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay? So my point is, you know, if you don't know anything, you know, just what you hear in the world and what's going on in the world isn't necessarily your wealthy place. I mean, you may hear about somebody over here getting rich doing something over here, but if you don't know anything about it, if you don't have a particular bent in that area, unless God's leading you to educate yourself in that way, which he could, then that's probably not the area, okay? Does that make sense? So just when you hear somebody else is prospering, that's not necessarily God speaking to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so God wants to bring you into a wealthy place, and God will lead you. Psalm 23, we already talked about that scripture, but he says, He leadeth me. That's one of the aspects of our good shepherd, is that he leads us. Turn to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And let's look at Abraham here. Just for an example of how God led Abraham. Now, we know that Abraham ended up being a very, very wealthy man. Not the wealthiest man that ever was. Solomon was that, but he was very wealthy. And in Genesis 12, 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country. See that step of faith there? And from thy kindred. That is a step of faith when God says, Leave your kin, folks. Amen. And from thy father's house. You know what? 95% of all people would abort right there. Because we're soulishly tied to things that are keeping us from being all God would have us to be. And unto a land that I will show thee. Now he didn't tell him where he was going. He just said leave. And if we go over to Hebrews, it talks about how Abraham sojourned by faith not knowing where he was going. Amen. See, you, don't, you won't know the end every time. You just will know maybe the first step to take. Abraham knew the first step. Leave your kinfolks. Leave your father's house to a land I'm going to show it to you. See, sometimes God doesn't tell us everything ahead of time because he doesn't want our input or other people's input. You know, if he had said, now I'm going to show you, and this is the land I'm going to take you to. You know, Abraham would have probably been tempted to go tell his dad or some other man in town and said, you know, this is where God's sending me. And you know what? They would have told him all the bad stuff about that place Amen. and how you sure wouldn't want to go there. You know, when we told our, the people in, in Seminole that we were coming to Alabama, they went, they're still fighting the Civil War there. That's the bad report. And it wasn't true. Amen. We hadn't found that to be true. We found this to be a land of promise. Yes. We found it to be a land flowing with milk and honey. I can't figure out now why anybody want to live in Texas. I really can't. I mean, I really am serious. It's like, why would you even want to live anywhere but Alabama? It's God's country. 
I mean, I really feel that way. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm t and I don't know. See, I can't even sort it out. I don't know if it's just because God put me here and it's because it's the will of God that it feels so good or if it's just naturally this good. I, 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 I'm so intertwined in that I can't figure out which way it is. We have to be careful when we go home to our family. We can't brag on it too much or they get a little testy about it. Like, defensive. Uh, you know, uh, like... You know, they don't want us to tell them how wonderful this is. Especially when we want to tell them how much the dirt doesn't blow. <laughs> and we kind of gloat that the dirt does not blow. That we have not had grit in our teeth since we left. <laughs> Hallelujah. But see, the, that's why God didn't tell him. And God's not going to tell you everything either. So it's not, it's not only important that you pray out the beginning, but that you stay in there in prayer. Because you're going you to need more information as you go. Hallelujah. Actually, you know what? If you really want to have a go to the wealthy place, you, you want me to tell you the ultimate price it's going to take? It's going to take daily obedience. It's not going to be obeying him once every once in a while. You know, twice a year we, we, we kind of get in there and do the will of God. No, it's going to be daily obedience. That doesn't mean you're never going to make a mistake. If you have a heart that's daily obedient, God will cover your mistakes. If your heart is to be obedient, God will cover your mistakes. You are going to miss it sometimes. You need to quit whipping yourself over that and just face reality. God wants you to know you're human. <laughs> I think he lets you miss it just to remind you. Amen. But he will cover your errors if he knows your heart is towards daily obedience. Amen. Amen. So we got to go out and into. And uh, <clears throat> don't ever accept lack. Don't ever get comfortable and just sit down where you're at. You know, I've heard people say this about themselves before. We're not rich, but we're comfortable. Well, that is not the will of God. And people that aren't rich and are comfortable and are not working to change that are out of the will of God. They're not pleasing their Father. They're not in faith anymore. That's right. So don't accept lack. Don't accept even a small degree of poverty. Amen? Amen. And lack is a small degree of poverty. It is not normal to be broke. Now, see, we got to say that because some of us were raised with parents that were broke. I was raised where my, my now I would, it's kind of funny because we never did without. I had a lot of clothes because I was an only child. I had big Christmases because I was an only child. Uh, we always had a decent car. We always had a decent house. We ate out. My family ate out. His family never ate out. But we ate out. We went on kind of vacations. Uh, and, uh, but yet, I really, there was an undercurrent that I always knew that basically, my mom and dad were always broke. I guess to say they were living paycheck to paycheck. And so if we are not careful, we begin to think because of our raising that being broke or having lack is normal. Amen. And it's not normal. It's abnormal. Amen. And if you're broke tonight, that's not normal. It's abnormal. And we need to quit accepting it. I'm not accepting this any longer. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now, one of, I might ought to clarify why my parents were broke. My parents were broke because they weren't doing what they knew to do and they weren't serving God. My parents did not go to church until I left home to... Uh, they went to church when I was a little girl. And we moved to a new town when I was about five. And from the time I was five until I went to college, my parents basically did not serve God and did not do right. Now, as soon as I went to college, for whatever reason, my parents started going to church faithfully. And did you know when they started doing that and started tithing, both of them began to prosper, and they're very, uh, they not, I'm not, they're not wealthy. <laughs> I don't want to say they're comfortable because I already preached on that. But they're doing, they, they, God's blessed them. Amen. Amen. God's blessed them with paid-for houses and paid-for cars, and, uh, you know, and they're blessed. Amen. Because they're serving God. Hallelujah. 
And they would say, you know, because I know I went to college and I came home like the first time. They'd remodeled the whole living room. We got new carpet, new co had, never had a color TV the whole time I was growing up. We had a color TV. And my mom had a new bedroom suit. And I'm going, how'd y'all do this? They kind of indicated it was because I left. <laughs> the expensive one left. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, but it wasn't that. It was because they went and they started serving God. Amen. Praise God. So another thing we need to do is uh, not to accept where we're at even if we're comfortable. So if you're very comfortable tonight, still don't accept it. Press on in, okay? Quit pushing prosperity off into the future. Hebrews 11.1, 1, and we know this, this is a principle that we have down in us, says now faith is. Anything you're pushing into the future, you're not in faith about. If you're pushing your healing into the future... If you're pushing, you have, to, you have to get a revelation that I'm healed. And, and, and it's regardless of circumstances. I'm healed. And so if I'm healed, I'm not worried about this. And I'm not fretting over this. And I'm not being concerned. I'm not riding this roller coaster of today I feel good, but, you know, yesterday I had symptoms real bad. And, oh, you know, and so riding this emotional roller coaster because I've settled it that I'm healed now. And you know that's the same way with finances. You need to get your prosperity into now. Hallelujah. Y'all understand that? And Psalm 102, 13, let's go there. I don't think we ever read all of this. Let me, let's read the rest of this before you leave Genesis 12. He, he, in verse 2 he says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. You know, that was a little... He, he like 95% obeyed God and had 5% disobedience there, and it cost him later on. So we can learn that lesson to obey completely. And Abraham was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. But we got to understand that Abraham was not born again, did not have the Holy Ghost dwelling on the inside, and didn't have the Word of God to read. Okay? And so there's no excuse for us to not have 100% obedience. If God says leave them all, then bless God, don't reason it out with your mind, leave them all. Amen? Or whatever he says to do to you. You have to do what he says if you want to walk into the miracle realm. And, but one of the things I want to point out about these scriptures before we go on to Psalm 102 is that this covenant is still in force Amen. that God made with Abraham. And we know that because of Galatians. Amen. Galatians says that he that be of faith is blessed with faithful Abraham. And we are by faith, because we're in faith, we have become children of Abraham because he was the father of our faith. He was the first man of faith. Hallelujah. Okay? So this is still in force, that God will bless those that bless us. Hallelujah. So sometimes you can get just blessed by being a blessing to other people, especially to those that are of the household of faith. Blessing people. You bless people and God will bless you. So find yourself a man of faith to bless and God will bless you just for doing that. Psalm 102, verse 13. I, I think this is a really special scripture. Because it is a prophetic scripture speaking of the time right now that we live in. It says, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion. For the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. We are living in a set time. An appointed time. Billy Brown says in the Hebrew, that word is moed, which means an appointed time. It's an appointment, and we live in that time, the time that God is going to favor Zion. Now, Zion is a uh, type of the church, and so uh, it's the time of favor. It's the time of God's favor on you. You know, the economy is so wonderful. People are prospering like never before. It is no accident. 
It is no accident. It's never been easier to prosper. Amen? Amen. And so we're the church. Hallelujah. It's our time. It's due season for you. It is due season. It's time to take your place in Christ and God wants to show you to the world. He wants to show you. So I want you to believe that now is your set time. Not tomorrow, not next month, and not next year. Now is your set time. I'm going to read to you, since I'm saying that, the prophecy from Jerry Savelle. I know we've read it several times lately, but let's just read it again. Just to enforce that now is the set time. Holy Spirit to Jerry Savelle. The year 2000 will surely bring manifestations of my power as never seen. Extraordinary things your eyes shall see because you've stood fast in your faith in me. So rejoice and get ready to enjoy my best. You've overcome your adversary. You've passed every test. Now walk in the blessings I've held in store. That's that set time. And be prepared to increase more and more. This is the year you've been waiting for. The year of abundance you'll lack no more. Now that's only true to us is if we believe it and we act on it. If we just sit around waiting for something to fall off of a tree on us, but if we believe that and believe the prophets and we act accordingly, amen, then that will be true to us. Hallelujah. So believe that now is your set time. God deals with plans, purposes, designs, and objectives. Now that's the four words that, that, that uh, Pastor Leroy said. Plans, purposes, designs, and objectives. That's what God deals with. God has a plan for your prosperity. He has a purpose for your prosperity. He has a design for your prosperity. And he has an objective for your prosperity. We know that. We read there's a book. I think it's, we have it back there. But some of you probably have already purchased it by Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth e. Hagen called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And he talks about that, that you find the plan of God. Sometimes Christians are notorious for getting a plan and asking God to bless it. Listen, he won't. You might as well, if you goofed and you got into something and God wasn't leading you and you finally come, you need to recognize it and get out because you will never change God's mind and cause you to bless it, cause him to bless it. I know we have some friends and when we first met them, they came out of the Methodist church into our church. But before they came out of the Methodist church, uh, they had stepped out into a business adventure um, quit his job. He had worked for many, many years for uh, Amaral Hardware, and he was like a salesman like Joe Holland. He was one of those that had the gift of sales. We always teased him that he could sell anything, anywhere, you know. And he just really had a gift for that, and he had prospered proficiently as a salesman for Amaral Hardware. What he did was go around and sell uh, to businesses. Amaral Hardware was a wholesale company and he would then go to little companies in towns, little businesses, and sell them hardware. And they handled everything in the world. They had a catalog that big. You know, and he did that for years. But he had stepped out into a business adventure, and it was a chemical thing, uh, uh, biogone, I think it was called. And it was a chemical thing that you used in, uh, to treat septic Systems, but not like your septic tank in your backyard, but like for whole cities and, and you know, to treat their water. And I don't know exactly what all it did. It looked like some brown goop to me. But anyway, he had stepped out and, and, and it worked. I mean, this is not, the, but, and somebody over a couple of hundred miles from where we lived, they had this stuff. They had invented this stuff. And so he stepped out in partnership with three other men. Well, you know, he was in the Methodist church. He had had no teaching. Actually, to tell you the truth, he, I, he wasn't even saved. His wife was, but he wasn't even saved. Been going to Methodist church for years, and he wasn't even saved. Because they, as a general rule, don't preach salvation there, to tell you the truth. Not like you have heard it in some churches. It might be touched on every once in a while. And his wife was saved because she had been to an evangelistic crusade with a, a, a Methodist evangelist, but somehow he had missed the loop. So he, they all got, they, he got saved. They both got filled with the Spirit. And, uh, but this business deal, he was in business partnerships with three unbelievers. It was a mess. 
But we were rocking along with him for three years. And he was working. I mean, he, he had invested money in it. And he was a hard worker, good salesman. But, you know, it, and, and for three years, it was like he was, he was always just this close from selling the whole country of Korea. You know, and it was not going to be... I mean, this was not going to be a little prosperity. If, if this deal went through, it was a $25 million deal. or You know, it was things like that. Isn't that right? And this was like for three years, you know, we're going along and we're this close. But you know what? If it doesn't have its foundations right and God didn't put you in it, and if it's not right, I don't care what you do with it, you can speak over it in tongues till the cows come home. You can confess the word uh, till you're green and you are not going to make it God and you're not going to change it into God and you guys are not going to talk God into prospering it. So I'm telling you what, you need to kill it. And you know, finally he did. He finally figured out and he killed it. He got out of, bi he got out of business with these unbelievers and he killed that thing. But you know, it's hard on the flesh because you're that far from $25 million. And so you think, oh, if I, just, if I just hang in there a little longer, if I just pray a little harder and confess a little more, I'm just this close to $25 million. And you can split $25 million four ways, and it's good. Even four ways, isn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. But he finally, he killed that thing. Well, he's got, you know what? Now he's, because he's, he's got this gift to be a salesman. So now, he, you know, he's, and, and I'm telling you, this man is one of those kind of men that people like. Everybody in town likes this man. Amen. You can't help liking this man. I mean, the Christians like him, the lost, everybody likes this man. So it's just a wonderful way, good to be a salesman. When everybody loves you, and you just have this knack for it anyway. Well, now he's selling tractors. And you know what? He's prospering. We, I heard about them recently. Man, they are building a huge addition onto their house and remodeling the whole kitchen, tearing out everything. God's blessing. God's prospering. Amen. Let me tell you something, family. That's why we're on this subject. The Bible says, Do not be unequally yoked with anyone that's not in the faith. I'll tell you further, partnerships, even with Christians, just if you, if God writes it on the wall to go into partners, I, even if they're kin folks, that's even worse. Amen. Even if they're spirit-filled believers, even if you love them with all your heart and you've agreed on everything up until this point, the best way for God to prosper you is to be all out there on your own. Amen. It is the very, very, very best way. Hallelujah. It's always best. But certainly, don't ever, ever, ever get hooked up with unbelievers. Amen. And let me tell you something else while I'm on this subject, and we'll wind it down for tonight. We can't do it all in tonight anyway. When God gives you, when He speaks to you, and you begin to get your idea, be careful who you tell it to. Now, we had a man in our church that God gave a wonderful idea. And it was for a, 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 a paper, a daily newspaper dispenser, you know, like that are sitting out in front of all the convenience stores, where if, you know, in these newspaper dispensers that are here, you technically can put your 25 cents in or whatever it costs, and, and you pull that thing open, and you can take 10 papers if you want to, if you're... Amen. It's the honor system, Right? Once you put one quarter in, it's the honor system. God, he was sitting out in front of the store one day with his waiting on his wife, and God dropped down in him a prototype for a machine that would only dispense one paper at a time. He called the Miami Herald and several big New York Times, several big papers. They said, if you can produce it, we'll take 10,000. I mean, this is a, this is a bird nest on the ground. He's got it sold before he... But see, he made a big mistake. Because see, we're insecure sometimes about ourselves. And insecure about walking one step at a time with God. And listening to God for each step. And so there was an inventor in Seminole. 
this guy that was kind of known for inventions. He was also known to be a heathen. I mean, that's how we knew him. That's what I thought about him. See, when you've you got to understand, Seminole is 8,000 people. Well, you probably know 7,000 of them. I mean, everybody knows everybody, mostly. It's not like Tuscaloosa. Everybody knows everybody. So, you know, we knew who this was. And so, so he went to this guy and he shared the idea, just trying to get some help. You know, well, what should I do next? And what should I, and you know what? That guy took it and patented it. Stole it. You know, family, be careful. Now, you can tell your pastor he's not going to steal it, your idea. But you don't, don't tell, be careful. Be really careful who you tell when God gives you something. Be real careful. In fact, don't even tell the banker. I mean, don't even tell people that can help you with it. There are forms, tell me, Lance, what's it called that you can have them sign? Don't know. There's a form. I don't know what it is. There's a, there's a legal document that you can have them sign that, that you're going to share your idea and they are, they are bound by this contract that they're not going to take it and use it. I don't know what it's called. We could find that out. But you can actually do that. Amen. And that's what you need to do with everybody you share it with. The banker, banker, I'm going to tell you my idea, but here, you've got to sign right here that you're not going to reveal it. You're not going to sell it to somebody else. Or, Okay? So, so I'm telling you, be careful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. But I tell you, if God's given you an idea that he's spoken to you something he wants done, if you don't do it, he'll speak it to somebody else. It's out there in the spirit realm, and if it's something he wants done, I think God just throws up ideas sometimes and sees who will grab it and run with it. You know, I've, Pastor and I have had ideas for books before. And you know, a year later, somebody will write that book. And we'll see that book and we'll go, oh, we were going to do that. But when God wants it out there, bless God, he's going to get it out there. Now, not every idea is that way. Some ideas are, you know, just ideas for you. And if you want them, you take them and you run with them. Hallelujah. But God, if you get an idea, God didn't give it to you just to walk around and say, oh, I've got a good idea. i got a good idea. Just walk around. i got a good idea. You know, if he's given you an idea, he's also got the rest of the plan. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, not every idea could, you know, sometimes I've had ideas and the next day I think, well, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, you know, some of them go away after the indigestion leaves. or what? <laughs> You know. You know what I mean. Not everything's inspired. But you test it out over a period of time and through prayer. You test those things out. Hallelujah. Praise God. Try the spirits. Thank you, Jesus. You know the, the, the baby changer. You know that little thing that lets down in the restrooms where you change babies. How many of you that have kids are grateful for those? Do y'all use them? Nobody uses them. You do use them. Okay. <laughs> Now, do y'all have kids? No. Nobody's answering tonight. Well, you know, uh, Mac Hammond, who's pastor in Minneapolis, Minnesota, his associate pastor invented it. And it was quite the trial. It was quite the trial getting it developed. Invested a lot of money, you know, invested everything he had trying to get it out there the first time. But when it hit... When he got one McDonald's to finally take that thing. How many of you know they're everywhere? Amen. They're everywhere. They are everywhere. I mean, can you imagine that somebody got wealthy on Silly Putty? I mean, is, can you, have you ever thought of anything dumber? I mean, really and truly, would you have thought that somebody could get wealthy on Silly Putty? That somebody could get wealthy on Etch-A-Sketch? I'm telling you, every one of those ideas came from God. How do we know? Because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen? Listen, God doesn't give men million-dollar ideas. Think of the technology that's out there right now today. 
Think of the internet. I remember when we first started to hear about that. I thought it was pretty dumb, didn't y'all? I mean, I really remember way, way back, you know, computers. We thought, who would want one of those? When, when computers first came out, you know, they filled up whole rooms this big. Amen. Pastor took computer at West Texas State, and they did it little cards. Amen. Yeah, some of you, you're too young to even remember all that. I don't even know what those are. How, who would have thought? You know, we have three at our house. Think of that, how God brought that in. And think of what it, what it has done, it even does for the gospel. Amen. I mean, it's just so remarkable. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's stand up together.